Live from the Nova Home Loan Studios, it's Cofield and Company. I am Steve Cofield. Come on and do it with me. The tight shorts typhoon. I'm like a, a leaf blower. I'm like a wood chipper. I'm like a, a blender on puree. I need you. I am Steve Cofield. 351 pounds, allegedly. Even if he does look like Eric Gregg ate James Tony. Now I'm very angry. With Steve Cofield and Adam Hill. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Weekend Friday, Friday. Getting down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Party and party and yeah! Five o'clock hour, Friday. Nova Home Loans Studios, The Spot, Angels here, Adam Hill, Cofield, back in our Finley Toyota Studios. It's Ari. That's a good open. That's a good open. We've got classic cuts there from Joey Tight Shorts with the uh, Tight Shorts Typhoon. We got our favorite, uh, Wendy's uh, Finger in the Chili Lady, and Ayala. I wonder how many people have that cut in their vast library. Now I'm very angry. Just us. We're proud. Of course, I was also talking to Ari. I'm like, don't ever play that open again. It's gone. But I like to change my mind, don't I? You do. I flip-flop. <laughs> You're a flip-flopper. <laughs> the first time we played it today, I'm like, don't like it. Get rid of it. Now I'm like, man, that has some redeeming values. It's good. I don't understand why Ari is sort of confused. Can't figure it out. No. <laughs> See what happens? Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. We were joking. We were acting like buffoons. I ruined it. The week is almost over. Almost. Podcast tonight, DC and the Sunshine Man, Dave Koken, and Willie Ramirez. We got some more fat pack stories tonight with Willie, and we're going to talk some boxing because I know Willie's covering boxing tomorrow. Uh, we got a good boxing match tomorrow. We got some mega fights on the way here. Possibly, because with boxing, I don't trust them. Okay, Wilder kind of worked the legal system into getting another fight with Fury. We could have a fight here on July 24th. I would love to see it at one of our big venues. Sam Boy, Maybe the Owl. Is it going to happen? Or as we see with these heavyweights, it takes forever, and there's like 12 false starts. Are we going to get it? I mean, I feel like we are because, A, it's the most money Wilder could make. Fury could make more money, but he needs to take this fight in order to move on to other fights. So I would think he would want to get it done, get out of the way. So I think there's enough pressure on both sides. To make that happen, and I, I'm, I'm wondering if it's Wilder that wouldn't want to do the fight if he would were to pull out, would he lose his contractual right to be the next opponent? If that's the case, like, it puts a lot of pressure on him to actually follow through and do the fight right now. I wonder what's more attractive to uh, boxing promoters the, you know, the smaller venues where you can, you know, your average ticket price is going to be Bafo, or you're going to try to kind of, you know, set the mood with something gigantic. The Jerry Dome. Uh, Jerry World there has had a bunch of fights now. Yeah. Boy, the Al for a fight, and we should know. I don't know if it's exactly transferable, but we should know if we can have 100% crowds indoors based on what happens at UFC in early July, right? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like it's on track. So if you for... can do 19,000 at the Fortress, can you do 45,000? They're going to let 45,000 or more? Could you do 45,000? That's the other decision you have to make. We talk about this all the time in UFC. The UFC is very careful about stadium shows, right? You don't want to yeah. have a stadium show and then you got 60,000 seats and you sell 27,000. Yeah, I think they'd have to be confident that they could sell that amount of tickets and, you know, even more so than the than than the Connor fight. Um, you know, we're supposedly supposed to have 100%. We, we reiterated that again with Garth Brooks the other day. So it looks like there's going to be 100% so that's a real that. Test. That's a real test at the stadium. Yeah, it'll be at Allegiant a couple of two weeks before uh, this fight. So it would make a lot of sense uh, that they Ooh, could go forward and, July. and make that happen. It's a big month. Number four. Boys, get past something. Did you want to mention that the Fury family is very much into boxing? That well, another Fury? Tommy Fury. Okay. He's good. 5-0, and oh, four knockouts, build okay. his career. So what, he, what does he have coming up? Uh, he is fighting an 0-14 guy. All right. I mean, there's a climb up the ladder. Sometimes the other fighter's not going to have a great record. Climb up the ladder. It happens. I mean, this is the ultimate of padding your record. Well, I mean, if he fights like eight times a year. Fighting an 0 and 14 guy, you know, it's okay. Can we find a one and third? Find a guy that's won at least a fight. So Adam sends over, uh, you know, little brother story. He goes, he's fighting an 0 and 14 guy. Yeah, boxing. Okay, well, yeah, boxing is funny until we see the note today. Because, yeah, boxing also means what I just said two minutes ago about is this fight going to actually freaking happen with Fury and Wilder, right? These guys, it's like it takes forever to get big fights. Why is John Jones not booked? And now Dana White is saying we're moving on yeah. from what? Well, the John, best fighter you, he's the best fighter you have. Yeah, John Jones Why wants to get fight? paid. Yeah, he wants to get paid, and okay, they're well, not going to pay they, him. Are they short on money? No, they're not. They're clear. They're not going to pay him, which is ridiculous. It's, oh it's infuriating. But we're not going to see. We're not going to see. Uh, you know, Francis Ngannou say, "Oh, you know what? No, I'm not going to fight John Jones. Find me an 0 14 guy to fight. Like that's not going to happen." Uh, but yeah, it's, Adam, it's compare, kind of silly. Comparing the well, for, champion to, uh, to a five and zero developmental fighter. Uh, I know. Who, who I'm joking. Actually, I'm joking. Way, but you're also wrong here. Fury's been mentioned as fighting one one of the freaking Paul brothers at some point. So I don't know if he's like some elite I, prospect. Sure, but I'm joking. But you're also wrong in that. What? You're, in that this isn't like boxing would be. Oh, John Jones is the big money. He gets the title fight. Like that's that that's not that's not what's warranted here. What's warranted. Is Derek Lewis getting the fight? Oh, stop! He's earned the fight. John Jones hasn't. Stop. So John Jones. John so Jones while has, I want he's, John he's, Jones, he's cleared out a division for years and years and years. Right, we don't know what he looks like at heavyweight. He'll be fine at heavyweight. That's what you think. I'd like to see him take a fight. A, it, it, you have a chance when you have a chance to cross divisions, and especially this is a unique chance where you know cruiserweights have moved up, right? Cruiserweight smaller, but uh, in boxing. But when you have a chance to have the, the grand champion at 205 fight the behemoth, the current like monster of the heavyweight division, you make the fight. I want to see it. And if it was, I want to see it, but he but if Conor McGregor, Derek Lewis is more warranting warranted oh, get, getting that fight than John Jones is. But I want to see John Jones. Like I want to see John Jones, but that's a spectacle, is, not the actual fight that's, that's deserved. John Jones should take a fight. You think way. Derek Lewis has a better shot to beat Francis Ngannou than John John Jones does? No, but I think no, but it's not about who has a better shot. It's about who's earned that right. John Jones has a shot at heavyweight, and that's the way everyone. That's the way all promoters have operated over the years. No, of course not. That, but that's what I'm saying. That the boxing way is John Jones should get the fight because he's going to make more money. The sport way, which is how it should be based, is that Derek Lewis should. Get I don't the even fight. know what this are. This is this is silly. What what does John Jones want? 
probably I don't know what he wants. I would have guessed probably 25, 30 million, which would you give it to him? Yes. But I I'm always for giving money to the to the <laughs> fighters, of course. It's not mine. Uh, why are we seeing this fight? Why do we have to play these games? Uh, Dana White told us the, the blueprint of boxing. This is the stuff they do. You tear up the blueprint. Make the big fights. Why are we fighting over money? Make the big fights as long as the fighters don't want to get paid. Number three. No different than football. Let's make money. Uh, top five selling jersey already in a day and a half in the NFL. Tim Tebow, number 85. Let's go. People believe in Tebow, legit football tight end. They're buying into it. Number two. <laughs> I don't know. Everyone on the show is mad at Tim Tebow for different reasons. You've never liked him. Never. Von Tobel was freaking having a conniption yesterday. Ari sends over some smart-ass remark that all the money is going to go to, like, Tebow's Christianity and churches. What is the problem? It's an American hero. People love him. Not an American hero. He's 33 years old. He's 6'3", 260 pounds. He's got the body. He can do it. He can do it. Go play in Canada. Dare to dream. Go play in Canada or go play in the Arena League or, like, show that you can can play tight end. So what if he hasn't played an NFL game in 3,064 days? He can do it. This was his position. This was his natural – this is what he should have transitioned to years ago. Now he's doing it. He should have done it years ago. Why didn't he? Well, now he's doing ego it. is too big. Well, now he's doing and it. now his ego is so big that he's going to have to do it at thirty three years old, so we can still stay relevant. Like that, every single thing Tim Tebow's ever done is about his ego. It always has been. It always will be. And, and whatever, that's fine. But call it for what it is. Like, let's not pretend like, oh, this little scrappy underdog. Shot. No, if he would have gone and said, you know what, I'm going to disappear for two years. I'm going to go learn how to play this position. I'm going to go play it in Canada or something like that, and I'm going to really learn how to play. And, and show that I can do this and then earn my way into the NFL roster, cool. That's great. But that's not what Tim Tebow is. Team Tim, Tim Tebow is about Tim Tebow. And he's going to make it about himself again. And now I'm hearing the pushback of like, well, who cares? It's a 90th roster spot. Why why shouldn't they try to make some money off him, sell some jerseys, even though he has no chance to make it? Well, that's what we're doing now. And 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 the, the more practical part of this, which this is what we said from the very beginning, was that there's going to be people on the team like what is go- what is going on here? What are we? Are we a, a, a sideshow spectacle or a football team? And we saw, you know, already uh, Urban Meyer making the massive mistake of bringing in, you know, the strength coach from Iowa, and that lasted like what twelve minutes before the team was like get get him out of here. And now you've got the TMZ report that the locker room is like, what the hell is Tim Tebow doing here now? And that players are upset about this and infuriated by this, as they should be. Number two. I'll let you guys keep fighting that fight. I'm going to let the story develop. A heroic story. (laughs) A story that America needs. We don't. You know what America needs? The NBA thriving. (laughs) And it is is thriving. NBA is dead. I mean, again... The end, the dying NBA thing with the ratings is part of many bits by different radio, sports radio personalities. It, it plays to their audience. But the numbers bear it out. It is consistently the second biggest sport in this country. It's not dying. Uh, most importantly, it's drawing new audience from that, you know, whatever demo, you know, 12 to 40. Uh, and they still have mega stars that draw audiences. And this play-in tournament has been a rousing success from a number standpoint. 
LeBron, Steph, Lakers, Warriors the other night did $5.6 million on viewers. million dollars. <laughs> 5.6 million viewers on average peaked at 6.1. It was the what the highest number for a game on ESPN since I think 2019. It's the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. Of 2019. And yeah, there are people out there who with the you know, get woke, go broke, but there there are certain leagues it doesn't matter. The NFL I mean, people said that about the NFL. My God. And then the NFL nearly doubled its you know, its T V packages. The NBA's fine. NFL's it, dead. It's NBA's pulling big numbers. Dead. Now now it'll be a test if, if the Lakers stink and get blown out of the playoffs, then we'll see what happens along the way. But I think there's enough stars that the ratings will be pretty good. Well so a couple of things on this is first of all, yes, the NBA got lucky. That they put this play-in tournament in, right. and it just so happens that the Lakers have a bunch of injuries, and they fall to the play-in tournament, and the Warriors have an injury, uh, and they fall to the play-in tournament, and then they they play each other. Two of the more popular teams in the league play each other, and it does massive numbers. So they got very lucky in that regard. But these are like the two wokest teams there are. I mean, you could throw the Bucks in, I guess. Oh, yeah, Steve Kerr. It's basically the two wokest teams there are in the NBA, and this this whole thing about like. Well, people aren't going to – the woke NBA, we're not going to watch it. Well, really? Yeah, the t- this is the matchup of the woke teams, yeah. and it's the massive ratings. So what are you going to say now? All the all the, the NBA is too woke. Nobody's going to watch it anymore. Really? That's, it's Here's what, the test. It's what we said about the NFL when there are a lot of people who are flipping out about the kneeling, and they're like, I'm not watching anymore. Yeah, but you may not watch, but others may come. And here's the thing. If you're 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and you're like, I'm done. There are lots of young people who are going to watch. Like you are replaceable. I just, I, I, you know, it's we get we get it from time to time too. I'm not listening to your show anymore. Well, maybe someone else will. Yeah. Maybe that'll happen. Well, or I, maybe this show dies. Maybe you know leagues die. There are leagues. There are sports that have seen like real drops. I don't know. I think a lot of it's due to the fact that you know we advance and some sports are just aren't as exciting as they used to be. They've been replaced. But the you know the the I'm not watching anymore. The sport's gonna die. You are replaceable. You are, and you're also, like, as we've said, most people that say they're not going to watch, either they don't watch. Yeah, well. Like, they haven't watched a game in 20 years. Like, I'm not going to watch anymore. I think that's been the case with the NBA. Believe me, I I can pull tape of doing shows, first shows on Lotus, and, you know, people complaining about the NBA back in 2004, 2005. And it was, it's, you know, the narratives are a little bit different. I think it all comes down to there's one basic thing. It seems like there's one group of people who gets mad at the NBA for one reason, but and, and I, I also have, I have a, I know that there's some people in my family that I don't want to, I don't give away. There's somebody in my family who was talking to me recently, like gave me like five things in a row about their their team that they watch every day and that they love, yeah. and then followed up with, well, I don't watch anymore. I'm mad about the All Star game moving, and I was like, you watch every day yeah, you, you just, just you just gave me you all the just details. gave me all these details about this team what do you mean you don't watch anymore what are you talking about you clearly do right it's insane it's my other uh, i have another uncle in uh michigan who said he would never never watch another tigers game after they left tiger stadium he was so mad about comerica yeah. and yet if you asked him right now the batting average of any player on the roster he would be able to tell you number one what a freaking win last night for the Golden Knights. What a win. You know, we were uh, getting ready to do our uh, podcast. We do our legal podcast, and we, we, we talk hockey on there because Justin Watkins, our legal insider, is real big on the Golden Knights. He likes the, the NHL, and it was 2 nothing. 
It was probably 16 minutes left in the second period. They're down. And he texts me. He's like, they're going to win. The Knights are going to win. I was like, wow. I don't know what you're seeing right now. He had it, and you explained it last night. I think you may have done it a little bit earlier. There are sometimes when you freaking dominate, you pour everything into a period, and they dominated. The Wild dominated the first period and should have been up 3 nothing. So, you know, the goal got overturned. But sometimes you can you can just blow it all out, and then you don't have it. You know, yep. when you come back for the second period, and they didn't have it, and the Knights did, and the Knights got inspired, and Mark Stone apparently, you know, maybe Leonard. Gave some speeches and man, that, that was a completely different team. It was, and and I think it's, you know, it's that next goal too, where it was two nothing. You felt like everything in the whole world was going against the Knights. The the third goal gets wiped out uh, by by replay, but it's it's still two nothing. And I think if if Minnesota would have scored another one, if early in the second period, you know, they they still had some kind of dominant ice you know control of the ice and, and having the puck in the offensive zone and if they score another goal i think it's a whole different game a whole different story but all of a sudden the knights score a goal and you look around and say okay this was a Wait. completely one-sided game completely on? dominated by one team and it's only two to one and there's still you know 36 minutes left to go the overturned goal first of all you, you don't not everyone's going to challenge that they did if it's three nothing i mean it was snowballing Second period. Is it Robin Leonard coming out? No, they wouldn't have pulled him. They wouldn't have pulled him? No, I don't think so. What if it's what if they get a quick one at the beginning of the second? I don't think they would. They'd stick with him. Yeah, They'd have they to get have. really, 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 really bad. Yeah, I don't think they I don't think they would have even uh, if it was twelve, I don't think so. I love to hear that Leonard was engaged and that he was giving a speech. I cannot remember after one of the periods, uh, obviously the first or second, there was some kind of squawking going on. Because on TV they weren't showing they weren't giving you a shot at what was going on on the ice. And I the bunch of the knights went in and Leonard was like standing there, like I like he was kind of watching, like, is he gonna skate out there and like start, you know, go and tackle someone? He's a big dude. I know he is. Pretty intimidating. And, and he's got all those pads on. It's tough to fight him. But you know, it, like like you said, he, if he's if he's speaking in the locker room and then he's, you know, he's getting ready to freaking police the ice at the end of a period, I love that that he's still, you know, his head's still in the game. Yeah. I think that's I think it's great. It's part of you know what makes this team what they are i think a lot of the and, guys and, kind of buying in and you'd have a problem if he was a horse's ass then you couldn't have these two goalies on the roster this would have never worked it wouldn't have worked no no question all right looking ahead you thought uh you think that uh matt doomba is still it's just one game but still has in his head like we're a beast did they come in overconfident he said that uh, you know going back one well, one he's like oh we're going home we're in good shape you well know, i mean i think we're in good shape we're a beast <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, they thought that they were going to be really good at home and to be the better team, and they were. They were for the first period. <laughs> so, so he was right. So, I mean, I don't know that it was overconfidence. Uh, it was definitely confidence and definitely belief, and I think they still have that, and I think they, you know, they still believe that they're going to, you know, game four and game six, both the games in Minnesota, They, I think they feel very strongly that they will win those games. Um, but I know, you know, the, the questions did kind of seem not – like defeatist it was it was more like you got the sense listening to some of the questions on the minnesota press conference that the reporters were like well there's your chance it's over um wow. not not that they said it outright but but that was at one point it led to uh, dean evison the coach of minnesota saying guys it's it's 2-1 it's 2-1 early in the series and you know they're not they're not necessarily overly concerned about where they stand right now 
It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. From the fantastic Nova Home Loan Studios, it's Cofield and Company. We got playing action tonight in the NBA. Memphis Grizzlies, Warriors, and then we're pretty much set from there. Who do you think the team is that most people are rooting against? Has to be the Lakers, right? Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely a lot of people. You saw the outpouring of displeasure, borderline hate with LeBron. He gets poked in the eye and the internet exploded, calling him a, a wimp and a faker and an actor. Well, along those lines, a lot of people will probably cheer against Draymond Green, too. Well, that was the amazing thing in that situation. You got a, you got Dr. Dre, Dirty Dre, poking a guy in the eye, and people are siding with him. That's how much they hate right. or dislike LeBron James. Um, yeah, it's the Lakers. They're high-level winners over the years. They got a guy who's you know one of the most polarizing athletes in the world. It ain't the Nets, but according to uh, one study, geotag, Twitter data, state by state, state by state, dislike of teams the nets are the most disliked team hated team over the lakers come on stop well it's a it's a They've barely pretty, been together it's not established yet i understand there's reasons to dislike my nets well it's also it's a weird collection of players like Kyrie is not very likable eh, you're right they do have a triple-headed monster of people who have been shredded by you know i don't some nba fans but mostly people who are outside the nba yeah, fan circle. Harden Harden's game as much as I love it. Like people hate his game, yeah. and then just drawing drawing free throws, drawing fouls, getting in the free throw line with his stupid head fakes. Then there's <laughs> the guy travels. who just ring chases and joins other great players. Yeah, Kevin Durant, and is sensitive and creates his own burner accounts and all that. Like it's a pretty hateable group of players. I don't hate them. I kind of like all of them individually, but it's a pretty hateable group. I think to most people. Uh, that they would look at it and say, I'm not going to cheer for them. And, the, you know, they all came together and formed an evil, villainous super team. <laughs> like, th- that's that's clearly a team that people are going to want to hate. Let's uh, let's talk some hoops, but uh, more importantly, some of the local stuff going on with the Knights. And then we got a ton of boxing to get into. So we have a card in town tomorrow with Taylor and uh, Ramirez. Al Bernstein's up next. Cofield got his mortgage tuned up. You should, too. Call 877-700-NOVA now to lower your interest rate and lower your payments. What time is it? Showtime! What time is it? Showtime! One, two, three, win! Let's go! Let's go, baby. Okay. It's Cofield and Company at the Nova Home Loan Studios. Rolling out on a Friday. Nova Home Loan Studios, you heard it. Let's get into uh, the local scene. Former talk show host here in town on this station. Legendary boxing announcer. He's seen a lot. I'm sure he's looking forward to seeing a lot more because uh, boxing's coming back, baby. Boxing's coming back. Al Bernstein is with us. What's up, Al? Hey, Steve. It's very good to join you. Uh, fired up, man. Fired up. You know, I uh, I always think about you, Al. But uh, the other day I was talking to a listener, uh, Eddie, who was over at uh, Sam's Town. And I gave him a T-shirt. He's like, oh, yeah, Al gave me like five of those. He started listing all the colors. I'm like, there you go. <laughs> Al Bernstein impact all over town. The guy still remembers you, Al. That's great. Well, hey, giving prizes away when I was uh, on uh, your station was uh, one of the most fun. It remains to this day, those what four years I spent there, remains to this day some of the most fun I've ever had. 
Is that right? That was that's a very nice thing to say. Absolutely. Uh, wait, I, I wait. so thoroughly enjoyed that experience. It was great. <laughs> Al, more fun than than you had in Atlanta. That looked like a lot of fun to me. Uh, oh boy, yes, sir, Atlanta. I, I vaguely remember uh, when I did the the Showtime show this past week. Uh, as we were rehearsing, I said, you know, I said, this is going to be a hard show to do because I will not get a contact tie. Yes, yes, you're going to smoke uh, loan, You know, because the previous one, uh, I did, apparently. <laughs> it was intriguing. Let's just say it was an intriguing experience. Uh, on the way back, there was actually the Paul brothers doing their Showtime chant. So what do you think of this whole thing? You, you know, you got to see it up close. It's uh, quite the phenomenon. And now Showtime's on board with Jake Paul. Well, yeah, the interesting thing is, look, boxing, it, it's funny you said it before, you know, boxing is back. Boxing's in the midst of a excellent year. The, the, it, when boxing came back after the pandemic, it took it about two months to get its sea legs. And then after having had only a decent year the year before even the pandemic, things started to click. And going into this year, things have clicked on a very good level. There are matches have been excellent, good ones scheduled, and, and honestly, not being a cheerleader for the sport, just being, you know, objective, very good. But along with that comes what is a new phenomenon the idea of celebrity boxing. And you can present it in a lot of different ways. Triller is presenting it in one way, and that was what, you know, I experienced in the, the last show and with the music and, you know, behavior on the air that pushes the envelope, all that stuff. <laughs> or there's other ways to present it. You know, even the first broadcast that, that had the Tyson uh, fight out was a little different. We're going to find our own way of presenting it on Showtime. Obviously, we've got... Floyd Mayweather and um, and and uh, Jake's brother on the first uh, installment, and now Jake Paul has gotten on board with Showtime. So we're going to find a way to present it in the right, hopefully, a way that retains the kind of you know different and eccentric thing that it presents, and yet still makes it uh, interesting because it is, after all, boxing. Do you, I mean? I'm I'm excited to see how it works out and and where it goes. Do you almost run a risk of like taking the the craziness and putting too much of a, a shine on it? Like, is there is there a danger in that? Yeah, uh, listen. This is just to be perfectly candid. Most of this is uncharted territory right now, yeah. and yeah. Um, and because it's uncharted territory, you have to. It was uncharted territory for the chore folks. They're, they, you could feel that they were trying to tweak that and figure out a way for that to be what they wanted it to be, and I think figure out what they wanted it to be. Um, and it's even more of a challenge, I think, um, for us because we present boxing in a certain way. And, and, and to be perfectly candid, we present boxing in – a different way than even other people that present normal boxing present it. So for us, it's going to be an interesting experiment to, to find the right way to do this and uh, not pretend it's something that it isn't, retain the, 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 the essence of it being different, 
and yet with some real boxing matches that are part of it still make it a, a, a boxing show. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a different kind of thing. How long will it last? How effective will it be in the boxing universe? Absolutely no one knows the answer to those questions. It's well said. Al Bernstein's with us. Yeah, I think it's important to remember, this is almost like a wake-up call with the celebrity fights, that sports can be fun. They can be a little bit lighter. There's a seriousness to it, and obviously you're, you know, guys are putting themselves at risk. You don't want anyone hurt. But every yeah. once in a while, we need to be reminded in the world of sports, in our bubble, that this is for the fans, and it's supposed to be fun. We can lighten up. Yeah. No, that's a very good point. And, you know, I think that was well said. And it, and it, it, that's what part of this is all about. Now, it's more dicey because it's boxing and people are hitting each other. Um, yeah. And it's a, a combat sport. Um, so it's not like the three-on-three basketball league, where, which I get a kick out of with the older uh, basketball players. I, you know, I, that is kind of a little bit in the same vein and same genre boxing you're you're hitting each other so uh, yeah but it, but it is that it is reminding us that we can be and and honestly you know for parts of the broadcast that i participated in uh there was i think uh, i think there was a the right note struck uh of having fun and still presenting the sport in a light way some parts of the show al i want you to talk about jose ramirez and josh taylor i was just looking at the espn story uh, by Mark Raimondi, and you're featured uh, in there, uh, given your breakdown of the fight. So, you know, I wouldn't say even fight, but right now Taylor, I think, is minus 215. Uh, what do you think of the fight, and how does each guy win? Yeah, it's interesting. It's a very good match. You know, it's one of a uh, number of unification matches that boxing has had and is going to have this year. Josh Taylor, I did his fight with Victor Postal over in uh, Glasgow, uh, a couple of fights ago. Uh, of course, Victor Posto also, also fought Jose Ramirez um, and gives us kind of a, a, you know, a comparison of the two fighters. They both won decision wins, but Ramirez struggled more against Postal. Listen, Josh Taylor is a left-handed boxer-puncher who likes to fight on the inside but also can be more of a pure boxer. Jose Ramirez knows one speed, and that is come straight ahead with all guns blazing. He's a terrific body puncher, and I think it kind of makes sense for Taylor to be the favorite. I don't know if, if he's too much of a favorite, if that makes him more of a favorite than he should be or not, um, but the conventional wisdom is that he's probably the favorite in this fight. But this is... Really, I think, a fight that you can make a strong case for either man winning. And for Ramirez, it's going to have to be with this constant pressure and putting Josh Taylor off his game. And for Taylor, it's going to be showing a more multifaceted approach to boxing. Uh, we should mention what's going on on Showtime because MMA is there, and I think this is the best. Uh, Showtime's had MMA for a while. I think this is the best promotion, Bellator, that you guys have been paired with. And tonight we get a, a full card, including a cyborg fight. Yeah, Bellator, uh, in returning to, to bringing mixed martial arts back to Showtime, they, uh, we used to have uh, Strike Force on, and I even did a couple of those shows, you may remember. Uh, yeah, sure. But um, but we uh, the Bellator shows have been fun. The the um, MMA has been good. The Anthony Johnson Jose Augusto match, uh, uh, the last show was you know a barn burner, and so the quality of the matches has been fun. And I believe you know I'm. Uh, I'm not totally unbiased, but I think the presentation of it has been really good. And um, and it's been fun to see. And now, uh, tonight, uh, Chris Cyborg, uh, who is one of Bellator's 
big um, performers, takes on Leslie Smith in a rematch of a match that they had years ago. Smith is 2-2 two and two in Bellator fights that she's had, um, and the loss to Cyborg was earlier in her career. And also Alfie Davis and Alexander Shabli uh, should be a good match as well. So I'm looking forward to it. So when I mentioned earlier, I should clarify when I was saying, hey, boxing is back. It didn't go anywhere, and there's been some big fights over the last year or so, but the crowds could be back. So we're going to have fans yep. here potentially in Vegas. Boxing's back in Vegas with fans. Uh, we could have Fury Wilder 3. We could have Errol yep. Spence and Manny Pacquiao. Do you believe both of those fights will go down, and is one of them big enough to warrant putting in our big football stadium and trying to get 35, 40, 45,000 fans? Yeah, that's a good question. I think the odds are one of them will probably end up at the football stadium. Maybe both. I don't know. Uh, I know the July 24th date they're suggesting for Wilder Fury. I believe that date is available uh, at the Legion Stadium and could be there. Uh, and I think uh, Wilder Fury could, I mean, to me, the, the mark of whether it merits it is, do you need more than, let's say, 20,000 seats? Uh, because that's what you can put indoors, or eighteen thousand, or whatever it ends up being at that point when we how much when we know how many people can be spaced out and you know based on the restrictions. Um, uh, I think one of them for sure will end up at Allegiant Stadium. And my, if I was a betting person, which I guess I should be in Las Vegas, right? Um, <laughs> I would say maybe Wilder Fury. Uh, we we saw it. We mentioned how you know this year has been pretty good for boxing. We're making some matchups that we all wanted to see, and we're having some good good you know battles and good action that we're getting to watch. Uh, do you think this was you know the pandemic kind of forcing some some decisions to be made and some things to come together? And uh, that, that is you know, a very long term good question. That 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 is. I've thought about that, and you're a hundred percent correct in asking it. I actually think that has been part of it. You know, people when they're forced to make important decisions for their own well-being, whether it's personally or business-wise, are oftentimes forced to do the right thing more often. Yeah. And that's kind of what's happened to boxing, I think. They, they, you know, they said, you know, we've got to come back from this because, it, you know, we're a, the, those sports that are leagues, like football, basketball, baseball, they, they have a certain order and they have a certain – it's pretty much known how they're going to come back and what they're going to do. Boxing is not that way. Uh, it always runs the risk of having a downtime. And so I think uh, without it being spoken, these, these the promoters, managers, fighters, uh, and everybody else involved kind of said we have to come back in a way that's going to be pleasing to the fans. And for the most part, they've managed to do that. Al Bernstein's on the horn with Cofield and Company. Al, when did you first move to Vegas and make it your full-time residence? I came here at near, in the uh, ending part of the 80s. It was either 88 or 89, one of those two okay. years. I can't remember exactly. Um, but uh, that was when I moved out here. Uh, and um, it turned out to be a wonderful choice. Yeah. If I told you in 1989 that we would have an NFL team on the ground. Oh, man. The NFL would completely embrace sports gambling and that your Bears would be here uh, so that your hometown team, you could go see them. You could go see them in a brand-new football stadium. No. I, you know what? I would have thought that you were, you were writing an Isaac Asimov uh, science fiction uh, book. Uh, no, you could have never imagined uh, even 
half of those things happening, let alone all of them, and even with talk of a Major League Baseball team coming here. Uh, it's, it, you know, and I, you remember in the early 2000s, and I remember vividly from doing the show there, where it was a constant, uh, you know, the topic was starting to be brought up. Could a Major League franchise of any of the sports come here? Uh, and the answer has been given to us, obviously. Uh, and it, it, the sports scene here is amazing how it's transformed itself uh, over the course of time. And um, I think anybody who's been lived here a long time or been a long-time observer of, of sports here has got to be amazed at all this. And, um, and it's a wonderful time to be living in this city if, for sports, and it's a wonderful time to be observing all this going on. We uh, we spent a good chunk of money on the stadium. The public did, you know, with the hotel tax uh, revenue. And as it looks now, with the ticket demands for the Raiders games, I mean, there's a chance we could have you know folks from out of town to the tune of like sixty to a hundred thousand coming in. So we'll see if it works out economically. I know I know right now we need it. So the the, the fact yeah. that after a year of not having people here, it's going to be a welcome site along with these boxing matches and Garth Brooks as the the town comes alive. So the stadium is going to be very beneficial. You know, certain things become catalysts in a different way and on a a smaller level. When the Smith Center was built here in Las Vegas, it was a certain kind of catalyst. Uh, It brought certain performers here. It brought, it gave the city a kind of a cultural um, and uh, center. You know, the football stadium, in a very different way and certainly a, a more grand way, has done that as well. And of course. The, the start to it was, you know, halted because of the pandemic. But now we get a chance to see, as you point out, okay, exactly how much is this going to impact us, both in terms of uh, the financial part, which is vitally important, as you, as you state, and what's it going to mean in general to the city. Uh, and, you know, I think it's exciting for all of us now to get a chance to see that. And there are signs, as you point out, that it could be that those, the answers to those questions could be ones that the the city uh, mo- fathers and mothers that um, you know that 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 bet on this, that gambled on this, that may get the answers that they want to see. And the same is true for citizens, um, because as you point out, it's very important that Las Vegas at this point come out blazing and to get back to where it was. Al, what's coming up for you on the Showtime schedule? We have a really good, we had a terrific card uh, a week or so ago um, with super bantamweights, uh, uh, and we had three phenomenal fights uh, that really produced the best, one of the top ten nights of boxing in my 40 years of broadcasting from top to bottom. It was amazingly good at Carson, California. And then we've got coming up on May 29th, Nonito Donair against uh, Nordin Ubali, uh, a 118-pound championship match, and a couple of really good fights on the undercard. So I'm hopeful that it will produce the same kind of fireworks. And, of course, we've announced a, an extensive schedule on Showtime that uh, gives us uh, two fights a month going all the way through September uh, and some really, really good matches. Um, and I, so far, none of them are scheduled to be here in Las Vegas, but, uh, but I am guessing that as we move, move on, uh, some of them will be here. 
Most important thing. Well, your boxing work is very important. Uh, when are you out performing again? Because that's uh, one of the things I'm most excited about. Vegas opening well, up and starting to see all the performers, you know, playing the stages again. Yes, I went about 11 months without singing a song in public, which is probably the longest time I've, that's been the case for, I don't know, 30 years or 25 years anyway. Um, Tonight, strangely, I will be sitting in, I'll be doing like one song, I'm going to the Kenny Davidson Bowtie Cabaret at the Tuscany, where tonight is a special night where many, many of the singers from Las Vegas, the shows and everything are coming there, and I've been uh, cordially invited to come and do a tune there, so people can come over there and enjoy it. And then I think, I'm hoping that sometime in the next couple months I can get back to maybe doing a few shows here and there. Um, My problem is that the boxing schedule is so... Uh, between the boxing shows that I'm doing on Showtime plus doing my weekly show, Al Bernstein Unplugged, uh, it's been a it's been a hectic schedule. So I'm I'm hoping that in the next couple months I can get out and do some shows. Good to be busy, right, Al? I, you know what? It is a busy time. So uh, between the all of that. Um, you know, we've got we've got a lot of we've got a lot of fights coming up, and uh, as I say, I've been doing the show weekly, so it's been uh, you know a very very busy time, but fun. You know, it's a, it, it, it's the same as what we were talking about the, with the local scene here. You know, uh, I'm I'm it's it's very rewarding to me that uh, that the sport of boxing is doing a better job this year. That uh, and and Showtime has in, has invested in combat sports with Bellator and and uh, and boxing in a way that is you know is, gives me a good feeling about being involved in it. Make sure you watch uh, Al Bernstein Unplugged up on YouTube. Al, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, hey, you guys, take care. Nice to visit with you. There he is, the legendary Al Bernstein on everything Las Vegas. Very interesting Twitter follow. As well, had some good commentary on uh, one Ted Cruz. Oh. So I will get in the uh, the muck. That's that's the that's the real muck. All right, wine of the week is coming up. Is a little combo with grab bag. Cofield and Company closes it out here on a Friday. The Cofield and Company crew is back tonight at ten thirty. It's the DC and the Sunshine Man podcast with Dave Koken. Watch at Steve Cofield on Twitter or on YouTube. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. You covering VGK tomorrow or UFC? Both. Really? I got double screen setup. UFC's early. Oh, wow. So it'll be main event, will be right, hopefully, like during intermission. What's perfect. the fight? Uh, Cody Garbrandt against Rob Font. Cody Garbrandt coming back from just a brutal battle with COVID. COVID? Six months. In the UFC? I know. You run that by the boss? Six six months he was uh, he was basically shut down. He got blood clots. Uh, uh, well, got, I'm not joking about Cody Garbrandt, but there's been a, a penchant around UFC at times to say that COVID wasn't that serious. It was for uh, it was for Cody Garbrandt. Was for several guys, right? Yeah, several little fighters. Yeah, a couple a couple of careers almost got ended. Oh, he's an exciting guy. Not saying I'm rooting for him, but you know, got to be objective. Well, he was you know he was in a spot where he had lost three in a row after winning a title, and then had an unbelievable knockout last year with his big comeback, and then had to shut it down for a while. Thanks to Nova Home Loans for having us out here. Make sure you call eight seven 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 hundred Nova right now. You got the low interest rates. 
You have a chance to refi with a mortgage tune-up. You can take money out of the house, pay off bills, throw it back into the house with home improvement, but you got to call. Nova Home Loans, 877-700-NOVA. Reminder, on Monday, we'll be out live, 2 o'clock start, Bailiwick, inside the Orleans. Good job this week by Ari and Angel. We'll see you. And Adam.